Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of Traffic Jam. It's Georgia, and as always, I'm joined by Isabel. Hi everybody. Thank you so much for coming back to this podcast. If you've been listening, and if you're just finding this episode, welcome to our show. Today, we are going to be talking about one of our favorite topics, and that is the growing trend in sugar relationships. If you are enjoying this episode, please share it with your friends and family and check out our social media pages that are going to be linked in the episode description. We also opened an Etsy shop, so we have Traffic Jam merch and Moms and Security merch, where all of the proceeds are going to go towards Moms and Security Global Outreach and helping them further their mission to combat human trafficking. We also have a seven-part blog series that we will link in the episode description, so if you're interested in our sugar discussion, you can read a lot more about this topic. Let's just dive right into it. So let's first go into some definitions on what sugar relationships are and who it's involved. There are a lot of different definitions of sugar relationships. For example, a sugar relationship can be defined as an arrangement wherein an older man or woman has a sexual relationship with a younger female or male in exchange for money, gifts, or other material goods. Another definition is a relationship where an older, wealthier person secures an intimate relationship from a younger, financially struggling person through money, lavish dates, vacations, and other gifts. A third definition provided by Sugar Daddy Sites.pro is a mutually beneficial relationship between two partners where one, the sugar baby, is compensated by the other the sugar mama or daddy, for his or her time. The main quote-unquote element of such a kind of relationship is companionship. These definitions all paint a different perception of sugar relationships. So when I hear that first one, it sounds very transactional and very similar, honestly, to prostitution. Now the second one, also kind of uh, the same, but even more so, um, like sugar relationships, take advantage of the younger person who is financially struggling. But then you read something like that last definition, and that paints sugar relationships in a much more positive light, where the power dynamic with age or money doesn't really exist. Perspective is everything, especially when we bring up topics like sugar dating, So what I think is important to notice is how sugar dating sites in particular are trying to sell the audience on the security and potential love and prosperous relationship that can come from being in a sugar relationship. Whereas other sources, such as journal articles, will give more cut and dry language and include terms such as transactional relationships. But... With all these definitions, there are also different types of sugar relationships. There was a 2019 study titled Its Own Thing, a Typology of Interpersonal Sugar Relationship Scripts by Marin Skull, and they identified seven kinds of sugar relationships, and they include sugar prostitution, compensated dating, compensated companionship, sugar dating, sugar friendship, sugar friendship with benefits, and pragmatic love. Could you imagine 
or maybe somebody has already done this, breaking down like the typical uh, relationships in such a scientific way. No, I really can't. And I know some relationships can be complicated, but not to this degree where some type of researcher took the time to classify them individually. Well, my thing is too, like everybody's relationship is different anyway. So if you have a different terminology for like the slightest shift, it's endless. It's an infinite amount of relationship typologies. But it's so it's interesting though, and so I'm excited to hear the different types for sugar relationships. Yes, interestingly enough, somebody might be wondering, how did they write this paper? So, Skull interviewed 48 women who were involved in one or more sugar relationships as sugar babies in the past or at the time of the interview when developing these seven classifications. I'm going to go ahead and define these different parts as in the article. The first one, as I mentioned, is sugar prostitution. And this is the single type of sugar relationship that Skull considered prostitution. Otherwise, Skull argues that sugar dating is not a form of prostitution, but sugar prostitution involves offering sexual favors and or sex in the form of a sugar relationship. It's not considered a business which protects this kind of sugar relationship from the law. It is interesting how just defining something as a relationship and not a business then protects uh, this type of sugar relationship from the law. And now all of a sudden, it's not considered a prostitution. I mean, we saw that kind of example with our child marriage episode where there were all these legal loopholes to basically protect child marriage. So we see that here with sugar prostitution. Mm-hmm. And our next one is compensated dating, which involves the sugar baby accompanying the sugar daddy on a date in a public place such as a coffee shop, a restaurant, or an event. This is to give the sugar daddy a partner in public to gain attention, respect, status, and or prestige. I feel like this is the type where when people are considering getting into sugar relationships or just starting out in one, this is what they think it's going to be like. Especially if if, um, sex is not something that they initially want to engage in in their sugar relationship. This is kind of like the ultimate. All I have to do is, you know, go out on a date with somebody and you get paid for it. Right, exactly. And the next definition I'm going to provide is almost the same but slightly different. And that's compensated companionship. So in this aspect, the sugar baby acts as the arm candy in a public setting. But it differs in the sense that it's a deeper relationship and they spend more time with one another. It's kind of like that movie, Pretty Woman. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Georgia, I feel like almost every episode you bring up a movie reference and I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I literally bring up a movie or a TV show and you're always just looking at me blank. Like, what I know is she talking what about? last week I think it was Breaking Bad. Something like that. And then I had One Tree Hill moments. That's right. Oh. We need well, to get you on my. <laughs> my I need to start account. bringing in the analogies too. Exactly. <laughs> so, what is with Pretty Woman? So, in the movie Pretty Woman, 
which I have no idea how you haven't seen it because it's a Julia Roberts movie. She is a prostitute and basically a rich guy rents her out for the night, if that's what I can say. Can I say that? Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. so. If that's what so, he does. Pretty much. You know, rents her out for the night. And then, now it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but basically after their one night, he pays her to stay. He sends her shopping at the best boutiques in town or the city. And he gives her all this money and says, just stay with me. I'll provide for you. I'll do this. And obviously, like, they have a sexual relationship because she's a prostitute. But she doesn't kiss him on the mouth because that crosses some type of boundary for her. So what does he, I mean, does he like her? Like, he wants her to stay. Is he smitten? He's basically paying her to be his arm candy and go to all of these events with her as a potential sugar baby might want. And uh, like I said, they do have sex, which a potential sugar baby might not want to do. But when you're given all of these lavish gifts and shopping sprees and they go to like the Kentucky Derby or some type of horse race, she's just living life compared to living paycheck to paycheck with a roommate who can't afford rent. And yeah, you know, of course, in the end, they end up together and in love and blah, blah, blah. So this is like the ideal situation starting out as this organized I'm going to be around you're going to pay me I'm going to live in this fancy hotel and then eventually we're going to fall in love and get married and everything's going to be okay happy ending right doesn't sound too bad okay I have to watch it yes that is your assignment for the next week (laughs) is watch pretty woman and then we'll worry about breaking bad another time Okay, so moving on, we're going to dive into the definition of sugar dating. Sugar dating was found to be the most common type of sugar relationship among those who were interviewed by Skull. This arrangement involves several activities such as getting meals, drinks, attending work events, traveling, and sexual interactions. All sugar babies interviewed confirmed they had a sexual relationship with their sugar daddy at one point in the relationship. One sugar baby interviewed mentioned that they had asked the sugar daddy for a lot of things. And the sugar daddy replied with, you're kind of asking for a lot. I'm going to expect this relationship to develop quickly if you're going to ask for a lot quickly. This is very much of giving with the expectation of getting something that you want in return. And what, and I know we'll get more into this later, but one of kind of the largest concerns with sugar relationships is that a lot of times uh, young girls will go into this saying I'll go on dates I will give my time but I'm not going to have sex uh, for money it's going to be my my boundary however what ends up happening is when you you start to get some of these gifts uh, vacations uh, money your rent is covered tuition And then you want more of that. And the only way to get more of that, according to the sugar daddy, is going to be, well, they're going to want to have sex uh, now. Or it's going to be something the sugar daddy expects because they're paying you. Um, 
And so I know people use the term like sugar relationship, but I have a big problem with the term relationship because again, and what ends up happening a lot of the times is the sugar daddy ends up treating the sugar baby like a product that they've bought. And so they're owed something. I agree 100%. There are probably even sugar situationships out there where initially they agree just to be a companion, no sex, but the sugar daddy might be playing the long game and agree to that at first and then say, you know, you want the trip to London, Paris, I'm going to need more from you. So it does turn into a property type situation, like you had mentioned, unless that sugar baby is willing to say, no, I'm good, and just walk away from that relationship. Which can be hard when you're struggling financially if that's why you enter this relationship in the first place. Exactly, which is then where that vulnerability piece comes in and where somebody is more likely and more easily uh, able to be exploited by somebody else. Moving on, we have sugar friendships, which this was the least common type of sugar relationship among those who, among those who were interviewed. In this kind of arrangement, the sugar baby gets involved in a relationship with someone they consider to be a friend, but they don't have any sexual interactions. Instead, they go out for meals and drinks, they go see movies together, and they spend time in one another's homes. So they're basically getting paid to be a friend, which doesn't sound like a bad deal. I was going to say, like, that's so interesting because, well, one, it's you mentioned it's the least common. And so that kind of builds on my point earlier about girls come in with the expectation that they're not going to have sex. But really, that is the least common form of sugar relationship um, that exists. Then, like you said, too, like, since when were people getting paid to be your friend? I know I would love to meet these individuals who are willing to pay somebody to be their friend. Like, who hurt you in your life? Come on. You shouldn't be paying people to be your friends. They're just making so much money. They don't have time to make friends. Good point. Which (laughs) brings us to the next one, which is a step up, some might say, or a step down to others. And this is all about perception. (laughs) Exactly. So now we have sugar friendships with benefits. So these are basically the same thing, but additionally, they do involve sexual interactions. So a paid friend with benefits. Which I feel like would be prostitution because there is the exchange of money. It's not just friends with benefits. There's the exchange of money. Right, but it's a relationship. So that legal loophole says it's a relationship. It's not a business. We'll stay out of your business. And finally... We have the pragmatic love relationship, and this involves sugar babies who want a quote-unquote normal relationship with their sugar daddy with the addition of compensation. So the sugar babies view the relationship as one in which they develop real feelings, which can potentially lead to real love and marriage. They involve sexual interactions but sugar babies claim that they have developed real feelings for their partners before they have sex with them. Well, so the founder of one of the most popular uh, sugar dating websites, Seeking Arrangements, 
Uh, his name is Brandon Wade. He found his soulmate through sugar dating. And he talks about like his evolution of understanding relationships and marriage and love. And he actually is quoted saying, love is a concept invented by poor people. But here's also where it gets even more interesting. He is so confident that he has found his soulmate through this sugar relationship um, that he is actually waiving his right to get divorced. The whole story of Brandon Wade is so interesting because he just seems like he focused on school and success and money his whole life. He's one who maybe didn't have time for a relationship, like you said, because he was too busy making money. Or maybe he was just too quirky, odd, geeky, that no girls were willing to give him the time of day. So he just decided love is a concept invented by poor people. I'm going to buy my next relationship, and which, which ended up being his wife and soulmate that he pays for and he's so confident that love is actually money and money is love money can't buy happiness but it can buy you a sugar baby to marry you so i don't need to worry about getting a divorce because it's not going to happen but then it's interesting because i mean what do they say one of the top reasons why people get divorced is money Right, because people just don't have enough of it when money's not a concern for Brandon Wade or people like Brandon Wade. You could just keep buying people and probably pay her not to divorce you. If you don't divorce me, I'll give you more money. Right. You, everybody listening, you should go look up his story. It's very interesting, and he has some interesting quotes about love. Um, I think the blog on it. We do have a blog on it, everybody. Go check it out. That's right. Go check it out. <laughs> well, so there are a lot of different definitions that portray sugar relationships in different lights. And there's a lot of different types of sugar relationships. But let's now go ahead and look a little bit uh, closer at the dynamics and why people join sugar dating websites. Sugar dating differs from quote-unquote normal dating in the transactional terms of the relationship. Both parties willingly enter the relationship by defining their needs, their desires, what they expect from the relationship. Sugar dating is actually coined as a mutually beneficial relationship because both parties get what they want. Sugar babies get money, gifts, travel, experiences, maybe even some life guidance from the daddy or mommy, and the parents get companionship and or sexual favors. Sites that match sugar babies uh, to their prospective daddies or mamas can vary in how they describe sugar dating. Uh, so some sites, they promote the benefits of being a baby, a daddy, or a mommy, uh, they discuss how the party will benefit from the relationship with no strings attached, quote-unquote. Uh, other sites suggest that relationships between a sugar baby and a sugar daddy or mama are genuine connections that lead to loving relationships. And actually, the site Seeking Arrangements uh, from Brandon Wade 
has conducted this whole rebranding of their website and is committed to, and I quote, moving away from the sugar dating terms, focusing instead on the non-transactional principles of dating up. And so really what's happening is people are a little bit hesitant towards the way that sugar relationships really are extremely transactional. There's no way around it. But to try and make it sound more appealing, they are using different terminology. So they're really focusing on the loving relationships, the mutual benefits, and this whole concept of how sugar relationships really, you're just dating up because you're dating somebody who's extremely wealthy. But then what I think about too is that then this type of terminology and this type of perspective is then idealizing this, you know, extremely wealthy man, you know, top 1%. But that's not a very like realistic expectation for what you're looking for in a partner. Like I've seen, you know, all these videos on like TikTok uh, or Instagram where somebody goes around like interviewing like young women probably in their 20s, their teenagers and says, you know, like, what do you look for in a guy? And they're and they're always like, oh, you know, they got to be over six feet and they have to be making so much money. And then they actually like calculate. I don't know if you've seen this, uh, like the per- the percentage of the likelihood that they will actually find somebody uh, who meets that criteria. And it's always so small. And it really just like puts people like what people's standards are like into perspective. And then they kind of have to say, oh, I really do need to lower my standards. So he's still got to make the money, but I guess he could be short, right? Right. Or, but I mean, the thing is too, like it doesn't even have to be lowering your standards. You're just reprioritizing. Like, I'm sorry, do you really need somebody who makes, you know, Sometimes these girls are asking for like guys that make $300,000 and that's not like they think that's a typical income. Like some people are so far out from what reality is, but it's, you know, the media is like pushing these like types of terms and like pushing these like sugar relationships. That's so crazy. Like we're in 2023. Women have to work now. So get your own job. If you're not even making half the money, he's making how do you value yourself there you go well then too then it's like well you know you better be careful what kind of standards you're setting because men can set their standards too for what they want in a woman too right which then we see the other side because like you said it's dating up for the sugar baby you're dating up to somebody who has so much wealth but to the sugar parent, they would technically be dating down by those same standards and nobody wants to date down. So the sugar parent's standards are based on looks, youth, attraction, etc. So you see, I guess, as the older you get and the more money you have, the less you value the money you have and you have made and the more you value the youth that you lost when you're making all this money. Right. But then again, too, it's like, as like women, we don't want that to be like the typical standard for men, like seeking this like youth and beauty, because then 
people age. Like you, we're just going to age and what? We're not valuable anymore. So I think that the types of expectations that sugar relationships are setting, we need to be very careful about that kind of precedent because it's not supporting lasting relationships. No, it's not. You're going to get older and they'll just find a younger sugar baby to take your place. Exactly. Well, getting on to that then, Georgia, do you want to go ahead and talk a little bit about who it is that are entering into sugar relationships and joining these uh, dating sites and why? Yes, I would. So surprise, surprise, sugar babies are mostly college students. The reasons for entering a sugar relationship may largely stem around the need for financial assistance with bills, student debt, housing, etc. And sugar daddies can offer allowances, travel, and gifts that give the sugar baby a more glamorous lifestyle that they cannot otherwise afford. And on the surface, I will say, that sounds very appealing. Surface level, yes, until you look more into it. Exactly. Seeking Arrangement actually recognized the draw for college students to their site and they created a whole marketing strategy around it and they called it Sugar Baby University. It reminds me of Monsters University. (laughs) See, there's my movie reference, okay? I made one. Isabel is cultured. I know. I mean, I will say it's not as strong or content pertaining as most of yours. But Monsters University is the first thing that pops in your head. It does. It's, you know, I like, you know, Sugar Baby University. Very catchy. I like it. SBU. (laughs) Now some, I wonder, there's definitely merch out there. Maybe we should make merch. (gasps) Should we make Sugar Baby University merch? Sugar Baby University, but with like an X or an arrow through it saying, no, bad. We're going to come up with something creative. This, I love this. Yes. We'll look into it. We won't. But getting back on track, as of 2021, Seeking Arrangement claims that the average age of sugar babies on their site is 24 years old, and the top occupation is college and graduate students. They also boast a global total number of 4,525,556 students on their platform in 2021. 40% of sugar babies on seeking are female college students. There are thousands of college students within the U.S. that are on seeking, and there are thousands more on other sugar dating websites. The trend with college students has grown to be so accepted that there is actually enough information to generate lists of the top universities to seek sugar babies from. Isabel, do you want to try to take a guess? I only have the top five here. Okay, let me guess. Okay. Okay. Somewhere in Texas. Or Georgia. I'm getting Texas and Georgia. So everything is bigger in Texas, but not the Sugar Baby Universities. Oh, man. (laughs) But there is one in Georgia. So the top five sugar universities are Georgia State University. Good job. There we go. The the University of Central Florida, the University of Alabama, Florida State University, and the University of Nevada at Las Vegas. So like everything, for the most part, they're all down south. What is it with these southern schools? 
I have no idea. Something about the sunshine, I guess. I can see how college-age students are a particular target group for sugar dating websites and apps. You got that financial burden, uh, you know, simultaneously of simultaneously paying bills while earning a college degree. Um, those are often reasons why people find themselves on these websites um, and are seeking sugar relationships. And there is this particular draw for college-age students, and websites can prey on these vulnerabilities to help convince desperate students to join their site. I was actually looking on some of these sugar dating websites, and what I noticed was that these websites will try to appeal to the babies by using terminology such as, you know, upgrade your dating life, find a high-value man, dating up, etc., to glorify these types of partnerships and relationships that can be found on these websites. And I think what's so dangerous too, especially with this age of early 20s or even younger, is that they are so vulnerable still. And oftentimes they're out on their own for the first time, being away at college. So they're making a lot of new decisions independently. And so I think that's another variable, too, that also increases that vulnerability aspect as well. Um, some sites actually even offer, and I thought this was so shocking, offer discounts and special perks to babies who can prove that they are college students by joining using their college email addresses. Uh, the main draw for college-age students is that financial support that they receive from their sugar daddy or mama. Uh, to help them pay for their bills while they're in school. And I found a quote from one college sugar baby saying, I'm probably going to hang out with him this weekend because I got to pay rent and I got to pay my insurance and my phone bill. Others are going to be drawn to these relationships because of the luxurious lifestyles that can arise from the relationships. Another sugar baby stated, First time I heard about this website from my friend, and I noticed how her lifestyle just changed suddenly. She started to wear these glamorous attires. She started to have these amazing shots on her Instagram profile. And it was all about presents, events, parties, shopping. And I thought I wanted to have the same and even more. After experiencing time as a sugar baby, some say that they will never do it again, while others uh, are willing to try new relationships. So people's experiences with this vary drastically. But I think an important point from these quotes is that on the outside, these relationships are appealing and draw people into them. Because if you see somebody else who is engaging in this type of relationship just on the surface, it's going to look great their Instagram profiles, their new clothes, shoes, handbags. Who wouldn't want to have those things, especially when you're a struggling college student? And on the other side of this, if you were to complain about your relationship to somebody, they might say, well, you got a new car out of it. You were just in Europe last week because they paid for it. So how could you possibly talk bad about this person when they're giving you all of this, which kind of like enforces that everybody sees the glamour, but nobody sees the exploitation. 
Well, and it can be harder to see the exploitation too, just because of how vibrant on the outside their relationship looks. And sugar daddies, on the other hand, are often older men. They tend to be more driven by the desire for companionship and sexual compatibility from someone who's young and beautiful. For many sugar daddies, there is pleasure in the thought that they are helping someone's future financially and through mentorship. They are a provider. One sugar daddy was quoted saying, I'd probably be lying if I said this was altruistic. But the way I see it, I'd much rather my money go to somebody who appreciates me as opposed to blowing it all at a strip club. Other sugar daddies enjoy having power and control in the relationship. One quoted saying, I feel like I have control of the situation without feeling like I've hired a prostitute or escort. And it's important to note that sugar mommies are a thing and they often seek younger men. Sugar relationships also consist of two men and two women, and sugar babies are not always college age, but can be any age. Just the older man and college age female is the most prevalent form of sugaring. I did just wanna establish that before we get too much further into detail. Now hearing this is where the power dynamics in sugar relationships become even more apparent. I mean, if somebody's reason for becoming a sugar baby is financial, that can already put a young woman in a very vulnerable position because she is reliant on the sugar daddy for money. And I mean, even just hearing that last quote that you read, I'll say it again. I feel like I have control of the situation without feeling like I've hired a prostitute or escort. That sugar daddy is looking for control. But now it's less repulsive that it's not considered prostitution. It sounds better on the surface level, even though it's arguably the same thing. And I think what some proponents of sugar relationships say is that there is there is a priority in establishing boundaries early on. Sugar relationships are initialized as a transaction between people with clear boundaries and low expectations of a genuine relationship that results in marriage and kids. Now, some sugar daddies also tend to use these relationships as a way to cope with past traumas through the transference of emotions. One sugar daddy was quoted saying, I always wanted a daughter, but my wife and I could only have a son. I think one of the reasons I enjoy providing for my sugar baby is because I never had a daughter to do that for. Which, let's stop right here because that quote kind of turns my stomach a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, I think involving another person to help cope with trauma can be very dangerous. I mean, in like your like standard, more, you know, quote unquote, typical relationships, I feel like I've always heard that, you know, someone needs to work on themselves and find healing before entering a new relationship because issues from that previous relationship or that past trauma will spill over into this one and cause harm. Uh, so, I mean, also like using another person to fill a void doesn't sound like a long-lasting or effective healing mechanism. Another reason sugar daddies may enter a relationship is that they are seeking validation. A therapist who saw 
sugar parents was quoted saying, one of my clients who was a sugar daddy told me that he not only felt more desirable after entering their arrangement, but it also gave him more longevity, end quote. But it's like he tapped into a fake fountain of youth by dating somebody younger. Which again, though, she's not going to be young forever. Unless he dies before she gets old. True. That's a good point. Nobody ever thinks about that. But then hopefully she's thinking about how she's going to have to take care of him. Right? Like, are you going to change this man's diapers or are you just going to find another old guy to date? What's it going to be? Depends on how much you get paid. True. (laughs) (laughs) And one more reason... While there could be many that I want to bring up is that sugar daddies and sugar babies may also enter these relationships based on a financial fetish referred to as financial domination. So this is similar to sugar dating and the fact that it's a form of a transactional relationship, but the method differs. The person who is paying for the service is called the financial submissive and the person who provides the service is called the financial dominatrix. Sugar babies broadly make their money through companionship and kindness, whereas a financial dominatrix humiliates and degrades their counterpart to receive money. So either or both parties in this type of situation become aroused by the exchange of money. There was a dominatrix quoted saying, ultimately, it's a safer, more consensual arrangement that lets both parties benefit, whereas prostitution usually only serves to benefit or pleasure one person. My first reaction was that sugar relationships might appear to offer more protection compared to prostitution. Like I had that thought. That is, and that's because, you know, when you just look on the internet and look at these sites, it does seem to be more focused on boundaries. However, the problem is, is that there are no special protections for if somebody were to be exploited in this type of relationship. Um, Also, because of the power dynamics, there is going to be that increased risk of it occurring. The reality is that sugar relationships are based not only on the transaction of money for companionship and sex, but that money is often conditional on those requirements being met. Because of that, I would almost even say that sugar relationships inherently are exploitative. Exactly. I agree with everything you had just said. And without protections in the financial and age power dynamics, it leads sugar babies to be very vulnerable to abuse. On our next episode, we are actually going to get into the very real harms that exist for sugar babies and discuss the harm with how the media glamorizes sugar relationships. So be sure to tune in in two weeks from now to listen. Isabel, would you kindly bring us our human trafficking myth? Of course. Today's myth is that all human traffickers are men. The Exodus Road uh, states, One myth of human trafficking is that all traffickers are male. 
while the majority of traffickers are men, women also play a prominent role in trafficking. According to the UNODC, an estimated 72% of convicted traffickers are male and 28% are female. Now, some female offenders were once victims themselves and turned to trafficking to escape their own victimization. As girls, as women, we are always actually on the lookout for creepy men, always looking over our shoulders for creepy men. And we are told to trust women because we all have this inherent, we all have this inner, I guess you could say, victim mentality where we can't trust men, but we definitely can trust women. So traffickers can use our own trust and fears against us by being women or by forcing a woman to join a trafficking recruitment type of deal. If they were a victim in the past, like you said, they might have their families threatened if they don't comply with the traffickers' demands and go out and recruit girls to join them. So it's very interesting to see that dynamic play out. Well, I even remember too, when I was a kid, my mom told me a story that was like in the news of, um, it was a store parking lot. And I can't remember if it was, I think it was like a young woman um, was going to her car and there was an older woman who asked uh, for help, like loading her groceries into her own car. Nobody's going to think twice about, you know, not helping this old, you know, an older woman and so she does. It turns out there was actually a man hiding um, like on the other side of the car. And he came out then and tried to push her into the car. Fortunately, she got away um, and was like yelling for help. I remember thinking I was so shocked that, you know, like the idea of like picturing like an older woman being an accomplice in like a kidnapping situation. You can't trust anybody these days. That's all I'm going to say is you can't trust anybody. Well, have you not seen Criminal Minds? <laughs> you can't go anywhere these days. That's true. Thank you so much for bringing us that myth. And to our audience, thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. We really enjoyed getting to bring you the rundown on sugar relationships and all of its different forms. Be sure to tune in in two weeks as we resume this journey and really dive into the different harms that can arise from these relationships. Also, send us any questions you would like us to address to our Traffic Jam account and follow us on all of our social media platforms. By next recording, Isabel will have watched Pretty Woman and she will give us her rundown on it. Yes, everybody, stay tuned. Stay tuned.